0: Welcome to the Education and Empowerment Podcast. In this show, our hosts explore success and advancement through education by interviewing today's top leaders in the fields of education, business, and technology in order to provide insight into what it really takes to succeed. This show is brought to you by Forstay, a SaaS-enabled online booking marketplace for student and intern housing. Forstay provides turnkey all-in-one cloud-based accommodation software solutions for colleges, universities, and organizations. Learn more at offcampus.forstay.com and landlords.forstay.com. All right, let's get into the show.
1: You're tuned to Education and Empowerment Podcast. This is your host, Bakhtir Soyv, and today I'll be interviewing Dr. Tom Harnish. Dr. Tom Harnish joined State Higher Education Executive Officers SHIO Association in January 2020. As a Vice President for Government Relations, Dr. Harnish is stationed in Washington, D.C., where his primary leadership responsibility is for planning, implementing, and coordinating the association's portfolio of federal relations, policy, communication, and advocacy work. He monitors new and potential federal action, legislation, rules, and other policies and actions that have relevance for the association's members. Dr. Harnish is responsible for bringing these issues to the attention of the members and articulating the potential impact on association members, institutions, and the students they serve. From 2007 to 2019, Dr. Harnish worked on a series of roles at American Association of State Colleges and Universities Colpascu, including as a director of state relations and policy analysis. He helped craft ASCU's public policy agenda and plan higher education government relations conference. His research interests and commentary on higher education finance, access, affordability, and other topics have been cited in over two hundred articles, including the New York Times, Washington Post, Politico, Inside Higher Ed, and the Chronicle of Higher Education. He is also adjunct faculty and member of the George. Town University, and George Washington University. Dr. Harnish earned a bachelor's degree from University of Wisconsin Medicine, and master's from University of Minnesota, and a doctorate from George Washington University. For our listeners, who are entrepreneurs, educators, leaders, presidents of colleges and universities, in this episode, Dr. Harnish and I will be exploring opportunities for greater collaboration and impact in higher education. We'll talk about Biden's administration and its policy on higher education, and opportunities that present for higher education relief and recovery. Enjoy this episode. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Education and Empowerment Podcast. My name is Bakhtiar Soyev. I'm your host for the show. And today, I have an honor of speaking with Thomas Harnish. We are going to look at the topic of exploring opportunities for greater collaboration between university CEOs, presidents, education leaders, and education entrepreneurs. And without further ado, I'm honored to be speaking with Mr. Thomas. Thank you for
2: having me on the program, Bob.
1: That's great. Thank you so much. We want to Get to know you a little bit better. If you tell us a little bit more, what brought you to higher education, that would be great.
2: Sure. Well, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and I went from a little small town in Wisconsin. I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison for for four years, and then from there, I I majored in political science and history at Madison. And from there, I went to the University of Minnesota's Humphrey School of Public Affairs, where I majored in public policy. And while I was at the uh, Humphrey School, I did an internship with the Midwestern Higher Education Compact, also known as MEC. And MEC is one of the four regional compacts in the United States, along with NEBBI, SREB, and WICHE. And I did an internship there. And then from uh, there, I finished my graduate studies at Minnesota. And I took two suitcases and moved to Washington, D.C., and I accepted an entry-level research assistant position at the American Association of State Colleges and Universities, also known as ASCU. That was back in 2007. And I worked in a series of roles at ASCU. And then I uh, worked on my doctorate starting in 2009 and finishing in 2015 at George Washington University. And in 2020, I moved over here to where I am right now at SHIO, where I'm vice president of government relations. I've been in higher education, higher education policy for for over 15 years now. And it's uh, I find it to be really exciting and uh, fascinating work. There's two days are never the same. And it's really an exciting time to be working in in higher education.
1: That's exactly true. And I think most of us would agree that 2020 found it to be most challenging for all the industries, especially with higher education. And I really admire the role that you have at Shio right now, because you have a chance to be the bridge between what the government is looking and how the different stakeholders are perceiving that and actually putting those strategies into like programmatic and actionable practices. I was hoping that you could bring us a little bit more light to what challenges do you see these days working with the higher education institutions when it comes to work of empowering young people and student success work at the different member institutions of Shio or through other state colleges and universities?
2: Right. Well, this is a a top-tier issue for Shio, uh, the student success work. States throughout the country have established a very ambitious educational attainment goals. Some states, like Tennessee, has their Drive to 55 initiative. Some states where they have 55 percent of of the residents in their state with uh, some form of a higher education. Some states it's a percent or more. And SHIO members are really committed to raising the educational attainment rates in their states and 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 doing it in an equitable, equitable way. And what I mean right. by that is really ensuring that when they get to 55% or 60% educational attainment, that there aren't still these large, stubborn educational attainment gaps based on race uh, or or other factors. This is really a a top-tier issue for the SHIO in addressing student success in higher education. The SHIOs work closely with their governor's offices, with their legislatures, to identify state needs and really address uh, those state needs, be it in the workforce or other aspects of the state. This is, is something that's incredibly important to the SHIO mission. Now, to, to your question about what are the challenges that we see in student success work right now, I think one of the real challenges that we're seeing is, is resources at the state level. States have undergone for, for the last several decades a disinvestment in their public colleges and universities public colleges and universities serve around 75% of college students today. And and state budget cuts can really affect the capacity of institutions to to effectively serve their students. Right. Um, And this is particularly true at community colleges Mm -hmm. Uh, and regional public universities. Those institutions serve what I like to call some of the most expensive students, because those are the students that have, have some of the least resources. They may have substantial remedial education needs. Really, the the state budget cuts, the cuts to those those institutions have really been really been difficult in, in trying to raise student success. And we know what works in higher right. education and student success. We've seen programs like CUNY's ASAP program, the state University, City University of New York's ASAP program, and how they provide wraparound services to to college students. And that's really addressed some of those equity gaps. Uh, and help more students in that in that higher education system succeed. I think one of the real ones that we're seeing as far as challenges right now in student success is is with resources. Not to say that there are, aren't other challenges with respect to institutional, state, or federal policies. Right. Uh, but I would say that the, the most important one that we have is, is with the declining resources from the states.
1: Right. Well, this is really great. And I think what intrigues me is to learn more about the work that you do at uh, Shio. But before we get to that, I think what really sparks my mind at the moment is along with with the different challenges, pandemic definitely brought a lot of opportunities. And that I was talking to the president of uh, James Madison University yesterday, and and we both agreed that uh, pandemic brought uh, a lot of crises and there is a saying that never waste a good crisis. What would you say are are the opportunities that the pandemic brought to education industry leaders and entrepreneurs? I think you mentioned a very good program with the SUNY ASAP. Are there any other programs that Bob or that you're proud of? What opportunities do you see these days with that?
2: Right. Yeah. The is the their ASAP program has really shown great, really great results uh, and yeah. outcomes with with. Students um, and helping them graduate in a timely manner. More of them graduate in a timely manner, and and that's that that program's been around for for several years now. But there's also certainly leaders in other at other institutions. Uh, Georgia State University has uh, been successful in closing equity gaps through their work work on on data analytics. That's just another institution I would I would highlight. Some states have been aggressive in getting more students to go on to higher education, right. such as through the Tennessee Promise program. But the question on opportunities from the pandemic, this created a real, certainly there were enormous challenges anytime that you're moving students on to, to online platforms, students off campus. There were incredible challenges, financial challenges, public health challenges, a variety of 2020 presented a variety of challenges, but it also provided opportunities. Opportunity I would really point to is really learning Taking a step back as this pandemic hopefully subsides soon, and really taking a step back and and looking at this issue of, of online education. Right. And of course, we've been involved in online education for many years leading up to the pandemic, but this provided a real experiment in, in online education in the broadest sense. Students that wealthy students were going online, lower income students were online, students from a variety of backgrounds were all going online. I think. Having those conversations with campus within the campus community about okay, we did this experiment that we had to do on online education. What worked, and how did the students feel about being online? Did they see the the benefit and the convenience of it? Are there things that we can take away from this that we can add to our existing suite of programs in online education? We go to more hybrid models, and also on on the flip side, are there Things that we've learned now that we've taken away from online education that we say, okay, of course, this doesn't work. We've, we've tried this, whether it be perhaps in a, in a lab setting that, that wasn't mm. very engaging or, or other aspects. I think this the issue of online education, I think, is one of the opportunities that we can see coming out of this pandemic. I would say there's also, of course, opportunities uh, to reimagine other parts of higher education as well, right? Um, such as online student services. And putting those putting student services online and making it more convenient for for students. And then uh, other parts, I would say, is I think this from a policy perspective, where I work chiefly, I think there's a real this presented an opportunity to really address the issue of the digital divide. That wow. many students, there's a large share of students out there still that have access challenges to getting online and to broadband right. services. I think there are. Many challenges that the the pandemic presented, but in the education space and the online student success uh, and student services space, I think that there are there are opportunities that we can we can pull out of this. but i I look forward to to reading research in the months and years ahead about what worked and what didn't and things that we can build on.
1: Now, that's amazing. And that's really inspiring because a uh, fourth day, I've been talking to many different leaders, presidents and vice presidents and people who oversee and run student services. And uh, they also noted very correctly, as well as you did, that it is transforming. And in the past, it was accessible to few, but now with the power of technology, it is going to be accessible to more people and you can achieve faster and, and greater results with that. And I'm also very excited to see how that's going to roll out in a few years. I think it's a very good time for us to learn a little bit more about the work that you do at SHIO. It's an amazing time right now, especially with the new president in the country. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more about the work that the association does and you do specifically with leaders in higher education?
2: Sure. Uh, I've been working at the SHIO since uh, January of last year. About a, about a year and a half now. And at Shio's constituency is state higher education leaders right. uh, and system leaders in higher education. And for the work that I do is really focused on, can really be described in one word, and that's federalism. Right. What is the relationship between the states and the federal government on higher mm. education? And really working to uh, build a, a cohesive policy architecture between the federal government and the states on higher education right. uh, through a federal state partnership in, in financing higher education, but also other aspects of regulations and policy as well. And my work at SHIO is really to advocate and advance our agenda with the federal government and elevate the voices of our leaders with the Department of Education, with Congress, mm-hmm. and within the, the D.C. Higher Education Associations. That's the work that, that I do at SHIO, but certainly SHEO is focused on a wide variety of issues affecting states and higher education with respect to, and I brought up student success or academic affairs, building state, state strategies, financing. There's a whole variety of state authorization. If you look at the various functions of SHEOs and the SHEO agencies, our association has a numerous touch points and tries to really advance the work the SHEOs do, try to help them improve the, those educational attainment metrics that, that are important to states and just help those SHEO agencies really be, be the best that they can be in their, in their roles and responsibilities.
1: That's amazing. And I think uh, the most interesting out of all, I believe, at that moment is, and especially with the, the new presidency in the country, what, what would you say is President Biden's policy on higher education? And, and I know there's been a lot of injection into higher ed, lots of money, and, and there are a lot of news on Chronicle of Higher Education, and Inside of higher education, and many other. But to an ordinary leader who's running an educational institution, whether that's public or private, what would you say are the opportunities that it presents in the relief and recovery package that came into law recently?
2: Sure. I think there are a a number of opportunities in the relief and recovery package. Certainly, there have been really three bills that the Biden administration has been pushing thus far on on with with lawmakers on Capitol Hill one of which has been enacted and then two of which could be enacted later this year hmm. the first is the, the the recovery package that was signed in March of this year and that included significant sums for states to help them with their budgets 350 billion dollars to states and local governments to help them with their budget the situations which certainly helps public colleges and universities Right. And then there was a direct aid to institutions and also there was direct aid to institutions as well as a grant support for students in higher education. Of course, there are other aspects uh, that affected colleges and universities as well, but the aid to the states as well as the aid to directly to institutions and the grant aid to students, I think was incredibly important mm-hmm. to helping institutions stabilize to provide resources to students uh, during this really challenging time. But beyond that, the Biden administration has created two other bills, the American Jobs Plan, the American Families Plan, that if realized would be the most sweeping reform of higher education, the most sweeping investment in higher education since the creation of the Higher Education Act. Uh, It's an incredibly exciting time to work in federal higher education policy. The Biden administration has proposed free community colleges, really game-changing Investments in student success, investments in, in research and infrastructure. It's really they've really presented a, an ambitious plat on higher education. And as she looks forward to, to working with uh, the Biden administration, as well as lawmakers on Capitol Hill to try to advance the policies that, that they've laid out. These are things that she, by and large, is, is very strongly supportive of.
1: That's great. And I think uh, this really deserves like a next follow up question, which is addressing to not only people who are running these public institutions, but other entrepreneurs who are proactive and care about what the future is like. What would you say, education leaders or the big ed tech companies or other uh, companies that are involved in the transformation of higher education? can do today to take advantage of that relief package? Can they collaborate together with other institutions? And if yes, like what areas would you say most attractive at the moment?
2: Right, I mean, I think that with educational entrepreneurs and businesses, I think any opportunities to help institutions stabilize, become more efficient and really carry out their responsibilities in the most effective way possible, be it student success work, Um, Be it in auxiliary enterprises, in in some cases, they may have partnerships on educational programming. I think that there are numerous opportunities, right? Certainly with the the growth of online education, uh, online educational providers. I think there are a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurs to really pinpoint problems and challenges Mm -hmm. that we have in higher education today and right. uh, presents solutions. And, and of course, before the pandemic, there were many entrepreneurial activities and many partnerships between institutions and businesses. And right. I think that we'll see more of that in the months and years ahead.
1: Right. Any examples of uh, such opportunities that you think are good examples, whether in the Shio member directory or in general in higher education?
2: It's hard to pinpoint one in, in particular, but I would just say that one one resource I would point people to is right. in recent years, I was working with with ASCU, my former mm. employer, on a project on university partnerships.
1: Mm. And,
2: and there have been just a, an array of partnerships with the private end the private sector that have yielded great relationships and resources for the institution, recognition for the institution, internships for students. I think that there are just a number of ways that institutions and and private businesses can work together to to advance advance the goals of the institution and and help students succeed. I I don't want to pick. Pick out one in particular, right. but there are there are just many opportunities out there, and I would, I would encourage people to look at that. But with the Shio agencies, certainly Shio agencies and, and it's public institutions of higher education have worked uh, closely with private businesses in their state
1: mm-hmm.
2: on advancing education and workforce advancing education and workforce goals. The, the private sector, of course, is incredibly important. And particularly now in the in the post uh, as we work out of COVID, is states institutions of higher education, state systems of higher education, right. working with the private sector to to try to advance advance the,
1: the need state goals and needs. That's great. We were talking to another higher education leader the other day, and we came to a conclusion that every ten years there's some sort of crisis happening addressing the future of higher education. If another type of pandemic would happen, hopefully it won't. But if there is another large crisis like this, do you think this 2020 pandemic really prepared higher education institutions to be sustainable and strong? Or are there still areas of weakness that people could start kind of looking at and analyzing and then maybe improving so that when another crisis hits, Mm-hmm. There is some sort of stability in higher.
2: Education. Great, grateful that you brought this up, Bob, because Shio today, in partnership with New America, has put out a report called "From Crisis to Recovery: oh, wow. Federal, State, and Institutional Recommendations for Higher Education." We have in this forty-page report a whole host of recommendations from the at the federal level, at the state level, and at the institution level through interviews that we've had with. A variety of leaders in diverse sectors of higher education, public, private, for-profit, and just asking them questions about the pandemic, challenges that they've had, opportunities that they've seen. I think there are, from that, we've provided a series of recommendations for federal and state policymakers to consider. I would encourage uh, folks to to read that over, but also, of course, in the, again, in the months and years ahead, we're going to continue to analyze the pandemic and see what worked and, and what didn't. But I think Certainly, we've seen that that these pandemics can exacerbate educational inequities, Correct. and we want to make sure that all students are, are well-served by their institution. We've also seen how this can really add to the challenges of financially fragile institutions True. Uh, and making sure that those institutions are stabilized. There are a variety of things that we can take away, a variety of things also that we're going to learn in the months and years ahead. But I would encourage everyone to read through that report of of policy changes in order to prepare us for what if we had another pandemic in the future.
1: That's a great suggestion. And as we wrap up our episode, I was uh, hoping that you can give us any words of wisdom Mm -hmm. or an inspirational quote that keeps you going.
2: Well, for me, education I've just seen to be just foundational to, to individual success, but also community and in, in the nation's success. I, I grew up in a very low-income part of Wisconsin. And I saw people from my high school, many of whom were, were first generation students, go on to higher education and get education skills and now are solidly in the middle class. But education, higher education is just critically important. And I, I tell people that if you're working in higher education and and you doubt the work that you do is making a difference go to a, a commencement ceremony at a community college or at our right. People state university and look at the the faces of those families of those students that are the first in their family to graduate college and just think of how their how many opportunities are now going to be open to them and how that could really change the trajectory of their lives and their families' lives and, and that of their community it's just an, it's an incredibly inspiring Uh, thing to see in people's lives. I'm honored to do the work that I do.
1: That's amazing. And looking at uh, the news the other day, it looks like Mackenzie Scott, former Mm -hmm. uh, wife of Jeff Bezos, the Amazon's founder, injected a large grant into many different educational institutions and and nonprofits that work. And uh, I noticed that uh, community colleges and working with uh, underserved uh, students and the issues of access and accessibility and, and diversity were very dominant in the thesis that, um, you know, she brought up. And I'm really excited to uh, connect with you and to learn from you. That's definitely a, a great way to uh, learn what the future is like. I know uh, many education leaders that I talk to these days, they also concerned about what would be the future of higher education and the suggestions that uh, you provided. And uh, motivation and resources that you mentioned are definitely of uh, great value. And if our listeners want to connect with you, what would be the best way to do that?
2: Well, I'm available and my Shio email is I'm available at tharnish at shio.org. I'm also available on social media on Twitter at, at TL Harnish.
1: That's great. Thank you so much. And for our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Thomas, for a great episode. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Force Day, for sponsoring this episode. It was uh, definitely uh, great lessons learned, and I'm sure that um, our listeners will find them useful and inspiring. And for our listeners who are not subscribed, uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on podcast.forstay.com. And if you want to learn about uh, the way Force Day is transforming america's colleges and universities through student housing check us out at about.forceday.com and once again until next show mr thomas thank you so much thank you bob
0: we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the education and empowerment podcast this show is brought to you by force a SaaS-enabled online booking marketplace for student and intern housing Forstay provides turnkey all-in-one cloud-based accommodation software solutions for colleges, universities, and organizations. Learn more at offcampus.forstay.com and landlord.forstay.com.